Hi there, and welcome to Vineyard Church Delaware County's podcast. My name is Michael Hansen. I'm the lead pastor here at the church, and I am so glad that you have joined us for this week's message. I'm going to have a little bit more to say at the end, but for now, enjoy the teaching. Hey, everybody. It's good to be with you. How are you? Good. Happy Labor Day. All right. Thanks to all you recently pregnant moms for getting us this day off tomorrow. All right. Oh, wait, that's not, what it, that's not what it's for? Yeah, I'm kidding. I know that's not what it's for. Um, like Vicki said, um, we are starting a new series this weekend, looking at the Old Testament book of Ecclesiastes, and I'm really excited to do that. It's actually one of my favorite books in the Old Testament. Uh, it falls into the literary genre or style known as ancient wisdom literature. It's meant to uh, give us wisdom as we read it. That's kind of the purpose of it. Like other books in the Bible, like Proverbs or Job, you might be familiar with those. Um, it's a relatively short book. I think it's like nine pages in my Bible, and it's pretty easy to kind of just get lost in the middle or skip over it. It doesn't take too long to read. You can read it from start to finish fairly quickly, uh, but that doesn't mean it's easy to read. In fact, it's quite difficult to read. It's surprising, it's challenging. Uh, it's a little bit gloomy and dark at times. Uh, it's kind of negativity has puzzled uh, readers for centuries. But at the same time, uh, it's a really important book. It's a really important book. At first, it doesn't feel like it should even fit in the Bible. Like, what is this even doing here? But I think when we, as we dig into it, we'll realize, oh, this is really relatable. And this is really applicable to the world and culture that we're, we're living in because uh, really, we're living in a time when everyone is looking for something of purpose. Everyone is looking to try to find meaning out of something, out of something in life. We're all chasing after these different things that in the end don't always satisfy us or leave us wanting. Like, it's like we're all chasing after the wind, hence the title of the series, which uh, that's a phrase actually repeated all throughout Ecclesiastes. Uh, for example, Ecclesiastes 1.14 says this, I have seen all the things that are done under the sun. All of them are meaningless, a chasing after the wind. When I was a kid, like maybe 10, 11 years old, I can't, somewhere around that age, my brother and my best friend and I, we loved to play like street hockey, like roller, on our rollerblades. Remember rollerblades? Are kids still rollerblade? I think they, maybe they do. Uh, but we had hockey sticks, our, the ball, and we would take cardboard boxes and set them up on the road. We lived in the country. Like nobody drove down our road unless you like lived on our road. There was no purpose to go down our road. Uh, and only a few people lived on it, so it was pretty safe. Uh, but we would play street hockey all the time. And I remember one time we went out to play in the wind was so strong. It was like 30, 40 mile an hour winds, and it's wide open spaces. You know, there's no buildings, no trees or anything to slow the wind down. And so we were trying as best as we could, but it was like skating into the wind, and you realize you're going backwards. Like the wind is pushing us backwards. And one of us had a great idea. I don't know if it was my brother or my friend or me, but I'll just say it was me since they're not here. And uh, we said, well, let's just stop playing hockey and let's just see how fast we can go with the wind. Let's just go in the direction of the wind, see how fast we can go. And that was fun. We were moving pretty quick, uh, going this one direction. And then one of us had another great idea. Who do you think it was? Me. 
Uh, let's get really, really big trash bags, like, and hold them up like sails. And so we went and we got these like contractor strength, giant black trash bags, you know what kind of I'm talking about? And we're skating, skating, skating as fast as we can. And as soon as we're at like top speed, we throw these up and whoosh, like it just catapults us forward. And we are just laughing and having a ball going 30, 40 miles an hour down the road. And our little wheels on our rollerblades are like falling off, you know, as they're spinning so fast. And then what seemed like such a great idea started to go downhill. Like, you know, you hit a, you go, you're going so fast, you're like out of control, like, right? And you hit a little rock and boom, I go down hard and my knee is like bloody and I'm thinking this is maybe not such a great idea, right? And then, but that's okay, let's keep going, we'll try it again, we'll do it again. And so you skate, 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 whoosh, right? And then, of course, what happens? The only car that's going to drive down the road the whole day turns and starts coming up and I can't stop. And I'm about, they're stopped. They see me coming, but I'm about to hit a parked car, right? So, so I dive in the ditch, right? I can't stop. I'm going, and now my shoulder's bruised and my knee's bloody. And I'm thinking, this really is not a great idea. And then, you know, the next time, skating down, and my fingers are ripping, like, like, like at their, the, the bag's like ripping, and I got the the, what are those things? They, sometimes they have poles, you know, you can pull them. I wrap those around my hands and circulation is falling. My hands feel like they're going to fall off, right? Get my circulation cut off. So my hands are crampy. My knees bloody. My shoulders hurt. And I turned to my brother and my friend and said, which one of you had this stupid idea in the first place? You know, but, but that day, like, started off with this really great, like, idea. But in the end, uh, we were pretty banged up. But isn't that how life can be sometimes, right? It can be like chasing after the wind, thinking that this is going to bring you life and enjoyment and, you know, just a great time, and it can leave you frustrated or beat up. You know, maybe it's, it's a job. You think, you know, if I can just get that job, that's going to satisfy me. That's going to make life better. And, and maybe you even get that job, and you realize it wasn't all cracked up to what you thought it was going to be. Or maybe if I can just get that home, that'll be great. And then you got to take care of that home, right? And maintain that home, and it's, things break in that home. Or if I could just find that one special person to spend you know, time with, a relationship. And then you, you find that person, you realize this is still hard. Like, relationships are hard. right? Life can kind of leave us like that. There's this really, really smart theologian who once said this, I think everybody should get rich and famous and do everything they ever dreamed of so they can see it's not the answer. Jim Carrey. Um, maybe not a great theologian, but pretty smart for the guy who starred in Dumb and Dumber. Um, but uh, it's true. It's true, right? Most people approach life as if chasing after these things is the answer. It is the answer, but Ecclesiastes is going to show us different. So let's dive in. We're going to look, if you have a Bible or Bible app, or we'll put the verses up on the screen, we're going to start off Ecclesiastes 1, verse 1, right at the beginning, uh, and go through verse 11 and kind of look at this beginning section. I'm going to read the whole thing, and then we'll go back and kind of pick it apart. But it starts off like this, verse 1. The words of the teacher, son of David, king in Jerusalem, meaningless, meaningless, says the teacher, utterly meaningless. Everything is meaningless. What do people gain? 
from all their labors at which they toil under the sun. Generations come and generations go, but the earth remains forever. The sun rises and the sun sets and hurries back to where it rises. The wind blows to the south and turns to the north. Round and round it goes, ever returning on its course. All streams flow into the sea, and yet the sea is never full. To the place where the streams come from, there they will return again. All things are wearisome, more than one can say. The eye never has enough of seeing, nor the ear its fill of hearing. What has been will be again. What has been done will be done again. There is nothing new under the sun. Is there anything at which one can say, look, this is something new? It was here already, long ago. It was here before our time. No one remembers the former generations or even those yet to come. It will not be remembered by those who followed them. We'll stop there. Does it feel like the air got a little cooler in the room? Maybe the AC probably did kick on, but... Right? No, but seriously, like, does it feel like this is sad? This is like kind of depressing, right? So we've, we've taped a complimentary Prozac under each chair. You can take that whenever you feel like you need to. Uh, it'll, you'll feel good by the time you leave. But, but no, seriously, like, this is like an interesting way to start off, like, these words of the teacher, right? He said this is an interesting way to start off a, a talk or whatever you want to call it, give wisdom but it says in back in verse 1, the words of the teacher, son of David, king in Jerusalem. And it's interesting here, right? We, it just says teacher. It doesn't say a person's name. And the word teacher can also be translated preacher. But in Hebrew, it's the word kohelet. And it means speaker of a gathering or assembly. In Hebrew, when the, the Israelite culture would gather together, maybe they'd gather in one place all the people to hear the word of God be shared. The person who was speaking was the teacher or the preacher was called the Kohelet. Or if the army got together, Israelite army got together, and they were getting ready to go out for battle and they were getting ready for a pep talk, they would refer to the person as the Kohelet who was giving them that pep talk. And in the Old, in the Old Testament, in the Hebrew language, it's the word Kohelet, but when that was translated into the Greek Old Testament, it's the word Ecclesiastes, hence the name of the book of the Bible. If you've ever wondered, why is it called Ecclesiastes? Well, that's why it just basically means teacher in Greek. So we're listening to the wisdom of this unknown teacher. Now, the person writing the book is actually a different person than this teacher. If you notice in verse 2, he's quoting the teacher. So there's a, so there's a different anonymous writer or author who is quoting the teacher and sharing this teacher's wisdom and we'll see this play out not really mostly until the end of the whole uh, book. Chapter 12, all of a sudden it kind of switches from the wisdom of this teacher to this to first person, this other anonymous author, where he basically summarizes and agrees with everything the teacher's saying. So we have this other person involved as well, but that we're getting a little ahead of ourselves there. Uh, but we again, we don't know this teacher's name. Nowhere throughout the book of Ecclesiastes is the teacher's name specifically uh, mentioned. Now, we have some clues, right? We have some clues. It says that they were the son of David. He was the son of David and the king of Jerusalem. And so those two clues have traditionally pointed to one person uh, that has historically been considered this teacher, and that is King Solomon. King Solomon, he was the biological son of David and the king of Israel right after him. If you're not familiar with Solomon's story, I would encourage you to read 1 Kings 
another book of the Bible this week at the beginning. Uh, it tells his story, amazing story. Uh, but Solomon was known as the wisest person that ever lived. And we know that Solomon wrote other kinds of wisdom literature like many of the Proverbs. Uh, so it makes sense and seems to be the obvious answer that this would be Solomon. But there are some issues with that. There are some reasons that modern scholars are not quite sure if it is Solomon. Mainly, uh, one of the main issues is that the language used in Ecclesiastes uh, is about 500 years too late for Solomon. The language and the words that are used really were more common about 500 years after Solomon lived. It's really hard uh, to share wisdom and knowledge if you've been dead for 500 years. So that's kind of one concern that some people have. Uh, The other thing is that that phrase, son of David, back then doesn't just mean the biological son of David. It basically could mean any of David's descendants. So about a thousand years after David, there was a guy named Jesus. You might have heard of him. He was referred to as the son of David because he was one of David's many descendants. So it really could be because of that. Many people could have been uh, there were lots of kings that came after that could have been it. But uh, one, one thought is that some people think that, scholars think that this teacher may have been something called a fictional biography of King Solomon, which was a common thing that other cultures did back then, a literary technique, where basically this anonymous author would write from kind of the perspective of Solomon or a Solomon-like figure, And since Solomon is so well-known in history, we know a lot of things he did say and he did write down. We know a lot of his story. Uh, We can make some pretty good guesses about things that he would have thought. It's kind of like if you studied Abraham Lincoln, right? We have a lot of things we know that Abraham Lincoln has said and written down and lots of resources on him, know a lot about his life. So you could go back, study his life, and you could write a biography about him, and in, in, in maybe a little fictional in there, but it would align a lot with the character of Solomon. So we're not sure if it's Solomon himself for sure who said these things, or a Solomon-like figure who is this teacher, but, um, but it doesn't really matter, to be honest. Uh, it doesn't really change the meaning of the text. It's still really helpful to imagine a person like Solomon when reading it, because Solomon had everything. Solomon had everything under the sun. He had everything that this world could offer. He had money, he had fame, he had power, he had influence, he had wisdom and knowledge, he had had it all. But yet, look what he still thinks about life. Verse 2, meaningless, meaningless, says the teacher. Utterly meaningless. Everything is meaningless. Now, I want to point out a couple Three brief conclusions we can draw from what the teacher is trying to get at here in this beginning passage. The first one's pretty complex. You might want to get a pencil out and write it down. You ready? Life is short. I know that's deep. I know, but no, I'm just kidding. Uh, Life is short. And, you know, when he says meaningless, meaningless, everything is meaningless, other translations might say vanity, vanity, everything is vanity you have a different translation. And those aren't wrong, but they're not quite exactly what the teacher's trying to get at in this passage. You know, when we think of vanity in English, we think of like somebody who's very self-absorbed, right? Like, everybody look at me. Look how wonderful I am, right? And that's not what he's getting at here. Uh, meaningless is closer. 
uh, but it's not exactly it. It's a hard word in Hebrew to translate. Uh, it's, it's actually, in Hebrew, it's the word hebel. Uh, hebel, and it means vapor, smoke, or breath. So when he says hebel, hebel, everything is hebel, he's saying vapor, vapor, everything in life is but a vapor, a puff of smoke. It's like if, you, if I lit a cigar up here, right, and puffed a puff of smoke, and you can see it, and then it's gone, right? Or on a really cold day, when you can see your breath, right, and you can see it, and then a second later, it's gone. It's hebel. It's, it's over. It's there, and before you know it, it's disappeared. The word hebel is uh, found in other parts of the Bible as well. It's actually found in the beginning in the story of Genesis with Adam and Eve. You might be familiar with the story that Adam and Eve had two sons. First one was named Cain. And then in Genesis 4-2, it says that Eve later she gave birth to his brother Hebel. Did you know that? It's actually the word Hebel. We, in our English translations, replace it with Abel. But it's actually Cain and Hebel. So, so Abel's name is actually vapor or smoke. And if you're, story with this, if you're familiar with the story of Cain and Hebel, uh, then you know that Hebel's life is very short. It's very short. Six verses long. Six verses until Cain gets jealous and murders his brother, Hebel, or Abel. Life is short. It's a vapor. It's there, and then it's gone. You know, last, a couple weeks ago, over the last few weeks, actually, we... Um, we had two memorial services here uh, on two different nights for two very beloved friends of ours, a part of this church, Sally and Jeff. And their lives uh, ended short. Their lives were shorter than the typical life. They were died too young by our standards. And um, a month ago, I got a call from my brother on the phone, and he couldn't even get a word out. He was sobbing. So much. And that's not typically how we start our phone calls. Uh, and I'm, I just knew right away something was horribly, horribly wrong. And uh, finally he got it out and he told me that um, my wife and, or my brother and his, his wife uh, have four children uh, under the age of six. And their second oldest, he's four years old, his name is Elijah, was diagnosed that day with leukemia. Um, he's in preschool and... He's battling leukemia. It's like a parent's worst nightmare, right? Uh, there, and I, in that instant, I realized, like, their life is hard already, right? Four kids under the age of six, right? That's just, like, hard. And now they're dealing with this. And my little nephew, Elijah, who's four, is going through something more life-threatening, more difficult than I have ever gone through in my entire life, everything combined. And it just, it makes you realize, like, whoa, whoa, like the potential of life can be so, so short. Now, he's, it's a month later, and his prognosis is really good. Uh, he has the most common kind of childhood leukemia. The, the recovery rate is super high. It's like over 90%. He's doing really, really well, um, responding really well to treatments, and he's super brave and super strong and the most faith-filled boy that I know. But it, um, 
Amen. But yeah, he's, it's pretty cool to talk to him when he knows that God's with him and, and uh, it's pretty inspiring. So, um, but it just puts life into perspective, doesn't it? Puts life into perspective. I mean, here's the reality. I mean, even if you consider an average lifespan, you know, like 80 years old, uh, that's pretty short. That's pretty short. That's pretty much just like a, a puff of smoke, like a vapor compared to all of eternity. Life is pretty quick. You know, did you know that there are tortoises moving really slowly around this earth that are going to live longer than you and I are? They're going to live over a, well over 100 years. Maybe that's the secret. Just move really slow. <laughs> uh, there's a shark called the Greenland shark that lives like 400 years old on average, four to five times longer uh, than you and I will uh, but even that shark compared to all of eternity life, life under the sun is just a blip. It's just a blip. It's just all a puff of smoke or a vapor. You know, when our kids were really little, when Sarah and I, we had three kids and they were like babies, you know, we were exhausted all the time. You got little kids, you know, you're in that stage, you know what I'm talking about? If you have kids and you remember that stage, you're just exhausted all the time, right? You're never sleeping with babies in the house. And I remember people who had kids just a few years older were like, oh, take in the snuggles now. Take them in, because pretty soon, give it a few years, and they're just going to want to hang out with their friends, right? They're, just, they're not even going to want to be around you anymore. And now it's a couple years down the road, and, and I'm just thinking, uh, and my kids are older, and I realize how fast it has gone. It has gone, because in that moment, when they were little, I just kept thinking, I don't really care. Like, I don't really care that they're going to grow up fast. Like, if I could just, you know, dear God, for like 20 minutes, if I could flip a switch and make them like a few years older so they'd go play with friends and I could take like a 20-minute nap, I would, I would give my entire life savings for that, right? Like, right? But now that it's a few years down the road, now that they are older and they're spending the night at friends' houses and doing that kind of stuff, I think, oh, man, it's just been so quick. What I wouldn't give to flip a switch and for 20 minutes turn them back into being football size, right? And holding them in my arms. I don't know if I'd give my entire life savings, but I'd give a lot of it. Like, <laughs> not that desperate for that, but, right? And now I, 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 you know, friends who have kids even older, they're going off to college or, you know, they're moving out, those kinds of things. They're like, I know that's coming, right? But I don't live like that's coming. What if we actually lived like that was true? What, how might that affect and impact how we did this short life on earth? How would that shape the decisions that we make, right? The priorities that we set, the things we spend time doing and pursuing if we actually lived according, uh, according to life being hevel, a vapor, short. Life is short and life is also paradoxical. It's a, life is a paradox. Life is in uh, this mystery, this enigma. This, it's slippery. It's slippery, right? You think you have it, and then you don't. It's not there, right? It's like that puff of smoke. I can see it. It's there. I know it's tangible. I know it's physical. If I reach out and I grab it, there won't be anything there. It'll pass through my fingers. It's like the wind. We know the wind is real. We can feel it. We can experience it. 
But if I put on my rollerblades and I chase down the road after it, I might get it for a little bit, but it's probably going to throw me down, right? Every once in a while, it's going to turn directions. It's going to dissipate. It's going to be gone, and what am I going to have to show for it, right? You can work really, really hard to do all the right things, to be a really good person, to plan for the future, to eat healthy, to do everything right, and you can still get sick, right? Your business can still fail, right? You can, you can um, get to that point where, where things can just happen to you, right? Stuff just happens to us. That are to- that's totally unfair, right? Injustice has happened to us. We can look back and think, well, that's not right. That's not fair. What do I have to sh- I worked so hard, and what do I have to show for it? Right? Verse 3, what do people gain from all their labors at which they toil under the sun? At the end of it all, at the end of all, what do we really have to show for it, right? It can be so unfair sometimes. You can do everything right, and it seems like sometimes everything can go wrong. And then other people can do everything wrong, and yet things seem to go right for them, right? You know, that person at work who's, you know, crass or just rude or mean, you know, they get the promotion. That's not fair, right? Or somebody eats terrible, at, you know, for, and has really poor health choices for like 50, 60, 70 years, and they seem to have no health problems, right? And then my, my four-year-old innocent nephew is battling leukemia. How's that fair? Right? Life under the sun doesn't always make sense. It doesn't always make sense. Now, this can either be really frustrating for you, this thought, or it might be, it might honestly be a little refreshing for you, this thought. Like, yeah, that's my life. Yeah, I can relate to that. You mean that's actually in the Bible? Yeah, that's in the Bible. We can be encouraged that, like, you're not alone in that. It doesn't mean you're doing something wrong. Right? When things go bad or hard things happen in your life, it doesn't mean that you're, not, you're doing something wrong. You know, we know that in general, in general, if we make good choices right, in life, if we work to nurture good relationships and eat healthy and those kinds of things, that most of the things in our life will go better than if we didn't do those things. We know that's true. But no matter who you are, no matter even if you live the perfect life, do everything right, Hebel is still going to happen to you, right? Life is still going to slip through your fingers at times. That's part of living life under the sun. That's part of it. So life is short. Life is a paradox. And life is finally cyclical. It's cyclical. It's repetitive. It's seasonal. It goes round and round and round and round and round. Verse 4, generations come and generations go, but the earth remains forever. The sun rises and the sun sets. It turns back to where it rises. The wind blows to the south and turns to the north, and round and round it goes, ever returning on its course. All streams flow into the sea, and yet the sea is never full. To the place where the streams come from, there they return again. Verse 9, what has been will be again. What has been done will be done again. There is nothing new under the sun. Is there anything at which one can say, look, there's something new? Uh Uh-uh. It was here already long ago. It was here before our time. 
No one remembers the former generations, even those yet to come will not be remembered by those who follow them. Right? All this activity, all this movement, all these moving parts, all these things happening, right? The wind blows, the sun comes up, the streams flow, but nothing really changes. At the end of the day, the sun goes back down again, starts all over again, right? The wind changes direction, comes from a different way the next time. The oceans, like, don't ever fill up. Water evaporates, start the water cycle all over again, right? Life is cyclical. He's saying there's nothing new under the sun. What's happened will happen again, right? People will be born. They'll grow up. They'll live their lives. They'll have babies. Those babies will, you know, grow up, live their lives, have babies, do that a couple more times, and the last babies don't even know the names of the first babies, right? Like, do you, do you know the names of your great-great-great-grandparents? I don't. You know, like, I don't know. And even if you do, do you know anything about them? Probably not. You don't probably know any details about their lives, or, right? Right? This is the truth of life. This is the truth of life. And if you weren't depressed before, are you reaching under your chair now looking for that little pill? No, I'm just kidding. Right? We're going to end with that. No, I'm, not, I'm kidding. But actually, I do want to invite the worship team to come up. But I want to end with good news. Because there's really, really good news. There's really good news. See, Ecclesiastes starts off like a smack in the face. It just hits us like with this terrible truth. But there is really, really good news. See, there is life under the sun, that yellow thing, an orange thing that keeps us warm. And then there's life under the sun, right? There's life under the sun and what this world has to offer. And then there's life under Jesus Christ. See, the teacher of Ecclesiastes, he longed to see it, but didn't live to see it, right? He hoped it would happen, but it never happened in his lifetime, right? Solomon lived the best life anybody under the sun really could have lived. He had everything anybody could have dreamed of, and yet it still is nothing like life compared living under that sun, right? The good news, the good news is that a few hundred years after Ecclesiastes was written, that God himself entered into life under the sun. He entered into life as Jesus Christ. He came into the hebel of humanity. He lived a very vaporous life, just over 30 years. Very, very short life. And his life really was the greatest paradox of all. I mean, think about it. He, Jesus, lived a perfect, sinless life. He deserved everything that Solomon had and more, and yet he gave it all up. And he willingly, willingly took on the life of a servant. He willingly took on the punishment and the pain of our sins, the guilt and the shame of our sins, and died on the cross for us. He lived the greatest paradox a paradoxical life ever. But in that act, in that event, he changed the trajectory of the cyclical life under the sun forever. He changed it forever, that it's not all meaningless, that it's not all vanity, that you might still get to the end of your life and, and from a worldly perspective, not have a lot to show for it. From a worldly point of view, 
right? You might not have a lot. Life might still be hard for you. You know, Jesus doesn't come and promise to take all of our things, problems away or make everything better. He doesn't do that. But what he does promise is himself. He says, I will be with you in those moments. I will go through all the hebel junk of life with you. I will give you peace. I will give you comfort. I will give you hope, an everlasting hope, a hope that, that doesn't slip through your fingers and have nothing to show for it at the end, a hope that is beyond chasing after the wind. And so uh, over the next couple of weeks, I, I'm excited. I hope you're excited. Ecclesiastes, it's going to be messy it's going to be awkward at times. It's going to be maybe a little painful or dark at times, but it's going to be so, so good. Amen? Amen. Why don't we... Well, thanks so much for joining us today. I hope that what you heard has encouraged you in your walk with Jesus. For more information and to contact us, go to vcdc.org. We'll bless you. Have a wonderful week.